Welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Okay, welcome everybody to another very exciting episode of the podcast. Uh, I've been trying to get Brett here on the show for some time, and now he is here, and so I'm very excited. So Brett Kaufman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I think, what is this, our third time is a charm? You were off, yes. I was off, something else happened, but we made it. We made it happen, and that is what matters. So to start off the podcast, I like to make sure that everybody is on the same page. So tell us, who are you and what do you do? Such a deep question. All right. I am a 27-year-old living in Miami. It is a city I've been here for a year now, like we talked about earlier. I haven't lived in one spot longer than two years since 2011. And I'm hoping that Miami breaks that streak. And it wasn't because of uh, that I just picked up and moved. It was because like a really good opportunity always presented itself. And so I'm really calling to Miami being like, make this place home. Uh, What brought me down here is that I am a partner in a copywriting agency called Wellspring Media. There are three of us. Uh, The company is 10 years old and we have generated over 42 million in in, uh, uh, revenue generated for our own products and, and writing copy sales pages and emails for our clients. And I love it as we'll dive into later because copywriting is just the beautiful way of telling your story. And if it wasn't for copyright as a vehicle, a lot of the trauma and shit I went through would not have been able to like be expressed the way it is. So it's my own form of therapy at the same time. Okay. That is, that is pretty cool. That's a cool way that copywriting has helped you. So you do enjoy it then. You like doing copywriting. Absolutely. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Is it something that you've always wanted to do? No, actually not. So I grew up, um, I've been working on my mindset. And so I used to grow up saying I was a stupid kid. I was never a stupid kid. I was, a, I, I learned how to learn how to smooth talk my way very early. And so I didn't have to rely on my grades to get around mm-hmm. as I was able to just, you know, uh, get the teacher to like me enough to bump up my grade a few percent points or get out of like sticky situations that dumb teenage boys always find themselves in. So from a young age, my subconscious understood persuasion. And then when I was in college, um, I actually spent my sophomore year abroad at Tel Aviv University. And I loved it. That was my second time there. Um, and I came home right during the war that was happening between Israel and Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. And uh, I wanted to come back and be like involved in activism because it was something I was very passionate about. And uh, I didn't know the vehicle to do that. So I had all this built up passion and activism, but I had no idea how to channel it. And so I started diving into politics. Through politics, I ended up working at an organization called APAC, which is a bipartisan 
pro-Israel lobby organization that's job is bring Republicans and Democrats together to just help um, help with, with just safety and, 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 and security and making sure that Israel and the United States and her allies are secure from terrorism. I was a cold caller. So my job was fundraising. I had to raise anywhere between $2,000 to $100,000 first time meeting someone. So you got a lot of fuck yous, you got a lot of no's, you got a lot of like go aways. And what made me the top fundraiser um, in the class that I was in at the time was because I got really good at writing. I got really good at writing emails or texts or even phone scripts that got the person from going like, don't ever call me again to be like, all right, I'm intrigued enough to sit down with you. And so I never knew what copywriting was at that time, but I knew the fundamentals of it. So eventually when I decided to start my own company, cause I working on nonprofits, great, but it's a nonprofit. Someone introduced me to email marketing and said, this is copywriting. I was like, oh, I've been doing this for three years. I had no idea that this was what I was doing. Um, and so I dove into it um, because I already loved words and the power that it had. Okay. And then you start, so you said you started your own business. So that's not what you're doing currently then? No. So at the time, me and my partner started a business together. And then we joined up with our third partner, uh, John Romanello. So there's Yoga of Almog, who okay. is a brilliant writer, because he's going to listen, like to always make him feel good. And John Romanello is a brilliant writer and a New York Times bestselling author and just two of the greatest guys to work with. Okay. And so then that's the business that you're working in now is one that you started um, with a partner and the third person back when you were working at the call center. So then you quit the call center to then work full-time in the copywriting agency or are you still doing that? Yeah, so I left APAC. APAC was an amazing organization to be at. Yogiv and I started the company on our own, our own version, like our uh, us two together and then for two years and then we partnered up with John um, and then that's how Wellspring together, Wellspring Media came together as like the three of us. John had Wellspring prior, but he kind of had on the back burner for other projects. And we actually went to him and we were like, uh, at the time, we were like, we want to hire you for writing coaching and copywriting coaching. And he looked at us respectfully. He was like, you guys are too poor to hire me because of the revenue we were making. But he saw potential in us and said, let's partner together. And so to anyone that's you know struggling out there, just keep shooting your shot because somebody, if they really like what you're doing and your tenacity, they'll give you a shot. Oh, yeah. I mean, what what is the famous phrase, right? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And you're not going to get what you want if you don't ask for it. 100%. So, yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's really cool. That's a cool journey. Are you still involved in the world of politics and terrorism and all that kind of stuff? So I no longer do terrorism. For anyone that's watching, terrorism is bad. But yes, I'm involved in the world of politics. Um, I loved it. Good. It was for, for me, for me, politics was like my vehicle of feeling like I could actually make a change. And so I, with politics being very divisive as it is and whatever side anyone's on is absolutely amazing. It's, you know, be, be, be and believe whatever you want to, but know your information. So I did that by interning um, um, uh, for the Republicans and interning for the Democrats before wanting to work in like a, at a bipartisan organization because I learned very quickly that rhetoric is everything. And I learned it's how you present a message and how you spin a message. Um, and so nowadays, what I spend a lot of my time doing with activism is educating, like whether I'm lobbying on my own or, or with my friends of like how to read. So I spend a lot of time teaching my friends how to read information. So this article came out, who wrote it? Why'd they write it? What's their agenda behind it? And it's not for you to be like, 
saying never read someone because of that, but the idea is understand the psychological principles and agenda he or she, he or, she or they has behind the piece. So you know what information you're consuming because your thoughts affect your speech, which affect your actions. Exactly. That's pretty cool. And so that's, that's pretty awesome. So you're still involved in the world of politics then, um, you know, making that kind of a change. I think that's pretty awesome. And that's, that's interesting that it's interesting to hear that you, uh, that this is what you're doing, because I actually, just the other night, I finished watching, there's a Netflix documentary series about 9-11 and everything that happened right before and everything that happened afterwards, right? Which is crazy, because I never, I mean, I, you know, I was very, I'm 23, so when 9-11 happened, I was very young, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what's happening, what, you know, I don't know, planes, planes are cool, I don't know. Hmm? You were probably in kindergarten at that time. Oh, uh, yeah, I was young and great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I was young enough so that people are like, I always remember the date. I'm like, I, I, I don't. I honestly do not. <laughs> like, I do not. And so I never, I was grow, I grew up, I didn't really, I mean, it's not like my parents ever sat down with me when I was like in elementary school and was like, hey, let's talk about terrorism and the implications of, of 9-11, the attacks. And, like, you know, I was like, what the hell is happening? I don't know anything about this. So it was interesting to go back and, and, and uh, kind of learn about those details now with an adult. And it's very interesting now talking to you. Um, someone who has a little bit more of a firsthand look and has really, really done a lot to, you know, help in the, in that fight. So that is very interesting to hear. Um, and especially how it relates to your entrepreneurship career as a copywriter. You don't usually think of those two things, you know, going hand in hand, but it looks like you found a way to connect them. That's pretty awesome. Very fortunate about that. <laughs> so this is a question I like to ask, and I'm kind of curious to see if the answer is related to anything we've talked about so far. Uh, but this is something interesting. If I were to give you let's just say I were to give you, I don't know, $20 million right now. Would you keep doing what you're doing or would you do something different? That's a really good question. Um, I would split my time between more full-time activism and continue what I'm doing for two reasons. Um, actually, we were just working with a coach. Her name's Amanda Bucci. She's an incredible human being. She helps you with a lot of like your alignment and she helps you with like figuring out your core drivers. <laughs> and one of the questions she asked us, because this happened on Sunday, um, was so kind of similar along that lines. Like, what, what do you want all the money for? Because thank God we're doing well. We hit a recent rough patch. So it really had us like really like think and really kind of really dial in our process. Right. And I was like, I was like every dollar that I'm making in my company, um, I wanted to fund one for my ability that I won't have to work in the future, that my kids for generations are provided and that I can support causes that just absolutely fire me up. So your $20 million that you're giving me, thank you for that. I would put a lot of that half my time into like full-time activism with whether it's writing education, educational pieces, actually going uh, more, more full-time in lobbying or, and, or I would spend the other half of my time really helping more of the coach that we serve now, because there was two sides of my copywriting experience. The one was the recognizing from APAC, the political route. The other one was at my own story with depression, where uh, 2014, during that whole saga that I was like in politics at the same time, I was um, very close to turning off the turning off the lights permanently, if you catch my drift. Um, so I even planned out how it was going to happen. I knew the day, I knew the time, I knew the mechanism, I knew exactly. It's kind of like Clue, like in the closet with the rope, you know, like, you know, like kind of think of the rope. Um, and what saved, literally what saved my life was a personal development coach who referred me to 
read Psycho Cybernetics. Have you have you read that book? I've heard a lot about it, but I have not read it as of yet. Fucking amazing. Okay. Um, I could be biased because the impact it had on me, but it's a fucking amazing right, book. Right, right, right. And so Dr. Maxwell Maltz wrote the book in the 1950s. And at the time, he was one of the top plastic surgeons in the world. And people would come to him and be like, make me look pretty. Make me look like Mar uh, Marilyn Monroe. Like they want to like have that look. And so, all right, you go there, fix their nose, do whatever you had to do. Send them back into the world. And they would come back like two weeks later, still miserable. Like, I don't get it. Like I look like a superstar. I look like a, you know, as beautiful as I, I can be, but internally I'm miserable. And he thought that was really fascinating. And he was the first one to really dive into one of the first people that your mind's a servo mechanism. So you, your thoughts control your speech, which control your actions. And when I read that, literally at the time that I decided like the next week was gonna be, you know, my, my, my final day, that that got me out of it because I was able to understand that um, I just need to like, like pick one thing to be happy about. It was as simple as I tied my shoes or I brushed my teeth. And so it obviously built on itself, thankfully. So to tie it all together, we help a lot of coaches who are just helping people just like me by making sure their message gets out there more. So with your $20 million, activism to a cause that fires me up and then making sure I can help more coaches have more of an impact on lives like they save mine. Right. That is a very, very cool kind of duality of, of things that you're doing there. One, one to help like more, more of like a societal level, one to help and one that's very like near and dear to you and something that you're, you're doing because it's something that impacted you. Yeah. And I think that's very cool. That's, that's kind of the yeah, that, that, I mean, that's it. You know, that's the dream. That's kind of the two places that people like, like helping. Yeah. And so right now then you're doing kind of mostly in, so like, like you said, the dream is to be doing kind of a split. And right now it's kind of like a, like an 80, 20, 70, 30 type split with the coaching or yeah. you, are you kind of a thing? Well, it's what, it's like, it's like, I don't know where you are in the stage of your business, but we're still very much in that. Yeah, you're working way too many hours because you think you have to and you're still establishing trust that if you work less, it'll still work out. Like it's, that was the biggest thing about becoming an entrepreneur. It's like, you're your own worst critic and we would have a fucking fantastic month. And then I would wake up with a cold sweat and be like, oh my God, what am I gonna do next month? I'm like, dude, celebrate the fact that you made more money in one month than you ever had ever before. And you freak yourself out. So um, unfortunately, I don't have as much time to be headfirst into activism, though, for better, for worse, there's always opportunities because of how unfortunate rhetoric is around causes that I'm very passionate about. So I'm always doing that. Like as an example, tomorrow night, there's, um, I'm like in a whole education course updating about what's happening in the Middle East and, and, and what's happening with like different movements around, uh, Israel. So I always love to keep my mind with what's going on. So then obviously I can continue to share it, um, whether it's like with lobbying or just rallies or just, like I said, writing about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, I got you. I got you. Yeah. That's, that is a huge problem. I see entrepreneurs all over the place face because yeah. it's like one of the whole points of being an entrepreneur, right? Is that, is that so you, uh, you can control your own time. You can have some more free time, right? You don't have a boss telling you what to do. But oftentimes it turns out being even worse than a real job or like, a, you know, a real quote unquote real job where, you know, at least with that, you show up to work nine to five Monday through Friday. But when you're not on work, you're truly off work. 
Whereas oftentimes with entrepreneurs who are kind of still stuck in the, I'm an entrepreneur, oh God, I have to work a billion hours a week to make money. Um, and then it's like, well, you're working a billion hours a week and you know, you're, you're never not on work. You know, you're never, you're never no off time. You can't really turn it off. So that is, yeah, I I have seen, and I've been there, of course, myself, as all entrepreneurs have, and I've seen many, many entrepreneurs, you know, suffer from that. So, so that's rough. Um, so you don't have a lot of time for activism then. Are you like trying to like carve that time out then for more activism or is it something yeah. where you're thinking kind of down the road? No, always. I mean, I'm always any opportunity that I, like I said, I'm, I am in this thing, this six week curriculum tomorrow, which at the part of it, you are, um, you know, you're, you're, you're going ahead and still doing so whether it's lobbying or whether it's like writing about it. So I'm always, always finding time to do that. Um, you know, I just always, it's, 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 it was that first outlet that oh, saw that I actually had to one moment. Uh, I'm sorry. One moment. Sorry about it. Continue. <laughs> I was saying it was that first, first ability that I, first moment I saw I had the ability to make an impact. So it always like holds near and dear to my heart. And it's like one of those things when I have a very shitty day, it's like, you know, it keeps, that's like that big vision on my kind of my vision board to keep very focused on that world because, as you know, with also uh, being an entrepreneur, some days your days just suck. I think that was also one of the hard yeah. things to internalize. Not every day is going to be a good one. Um, like this month, like I, I, I don't know about you, but I always, I have a big attitude in the entrepreneurial space when everyone just only shows their accomplishments. And it's like, these past six weeks for us have really fucking sucked. And it's been the best learning lesson because of how much it sucked and like recalibrating your mind of, this is the season that you're in. What are you learning from it? What are you taking away from it? How are you, how are you applying it? Because not every day is going to be a great day. Oh my God, I made a sale. Some days you're like, dude, we're pretty barren, but that are, are, are you set up for that? How's your mindset around that? Do you have reserves for that? You know, are you building great relationships with your past clients or just like, you know, how is that affecting your relationship with friends? How's that affecting your relationship at the gym or with, with your partners? Like it's, it's giving me the best audit of just how I internally feel Cause you know, I am sometimes feeling like I'm going to snap. The other times I'm like, no, like I got this. So it's like this fascinating watching my internal self, like wrestle through this season that we're in. You know, it's almost like you learn more from failure than you do from success. Who would have thought? Yeah. Right. Isn't that interesting how that works? Funny. Even though for some reason people, entrepreneurs online only ever talk about their successes. Right. I feel like, and it's like, yeah, of course, success is way sexier than failure but you learn infinitely more from failure than you from from success i mean it's 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 true you know so that's crazy that's really cool well that's really cool to hear that you're you know just talking with you you have a very positive mindset and you're really doing i mean you're doing really good work you're at a high level, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're doing really good things. You're still making time for your activism, the things that you truly love. Um, and you're doing something that you truly love as well with copywriting. I mean, that's, that's really incredible to see. So it looks like you kind of, I mean, you're living the dream, honestly. You know what I mean? I mean obviously everyone has places to go, but it sounds to me like you're, you're obviously continuing to strive for more, but the place that you're at right now is also very awesome. I appreciate that. And that's a good reminder. Cause like, like I said this morning, I was like, this shit sucks. Now it's like, no, it doesn't suck. So it's always a nice, 
reframe. And actually, I forgot who I was listening to, but someone was saying it's like, and again, I also think morning routines are beat over the head, but it's so damn important to do. But I get why that needs to be part of your everyday routine because eventually if you're having the negative thoughts continue in your mind, you're going to forget all the positive thoughts you tell yourself in your morning routine. So it was like, say it was that kind of clicking moment of, ah, what I find, might find is tedious with my journaling and my vision where other people, like it fires me up. It doesn't fire me up every day to think about or write about the same thing. Like I'm just being real with how it is, with how I view it. Cause I, I don't know about you. I never, I never am attracted to the coach that's so cheerful and just so overly positive. Cause I'm like, there's something fake about you, in my opinion, that I like when someone's like real with me. And I just, so it's just like, these are always good reminders of like, um, why you do the morning routine to keep yourself centered because of these things that you don't always need to be cheerful. You don't always need to be, uh, you know, down in the dumps. It's a good, good middle. Yeah. 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 That that's interesting that you say that because I a hundred percent agree. I think it's, you know, especially as a coach, I mean, you shouldn't try to be something, you know, or present something. You just have to be yourself. You know what I mean? And sometimes like if you're on a podcast talking about really cool stuff and, and the person you're interviewing is talking to say there's really cool stuff, then yeah, you make a little fire up, fired up and a little bit excited, but it's, you shouldn't like try to play a persona or play a character that's all upbeat all the time because that's not how life is and that's not what coaching is about. It's not about being upbeat all the time. You know what I mean? And I, I know that- cool thousand percent accurate because whenever I talk about my failures, I end up signing more clients. than when I talk about my successes, and so it's like that funny thing, because in the back of my mind, I'm like, should I share that we're not doing as hot at the moment? But it's like, no, because it's authentically how I'm feeling. And I want you to know, because like when we teach copy to anyone, I also like, let's talk about the term copy. It's a, it's a it's given such a wrong definition because if you are a coach and you're in the space and you're like, I don't want to take a copywriting course, it's because you think it's a template. It's been shoved down your throat. They're like, I could teach you all the secrets of copywriting in three hours. The old school direct mail days, which worked at that time period, but we're much more sophisticated in regards of just simply the fact we've seen a shit ton of more ads. So I, I, I even refrain, I try to refrain from calling myself a copywriter anymore. Just do the fact of what we do is help you find your authentic voice and your tone and how you communicate naturally and then show you the frameworks, which is like, imagine being on a highway, there's an on-ramp and then the guardrail. So you don't like crash over to the other side, but you can go through all lanes. Like you're in California, you can go five lanes, right? Back and forth, back and forth, which gives you that creativity to express yourself in the rules of the game. Before people think we need to write a template. No, these are the rules of the game. And I view business that way. It's like, if you understand it and express yourself the way you express it and people will come to you basically just like that. You just need to know the rules of the game. Oh yeah. That's an interesting way to put it. And that's, I find that ha- that's the case with a lot of different, like just business practices is it's not well, the best part about anything related to business is your own personal spin, right? Because I, nothing is new. You know, it's not like you're the first ever copywriter and I'm not the first ever coach or podcast producer or whatever, right? Nothing is new, honestly. What, you know, makes it possible for multiple of the same type of business to exist is that people aren't paying for your copywriting, they're paying for you, right? You know what I mean? They can go to a million other copywriters, but instead they choose you. 
right? Same with coaches like myself. It's like, you don't, someone doesn't come to me for coaching. I mean, they do, but they come to me for my coaching, right? And that's like, so your copywriting, that is what is unique. It's the you part of your copywriting, not the copywriting part of your copywriting. And so that's, it's like, that's, and that's, I love that, right? It's like you're, you, you're in the lanes, like you have to stay on the freeway, but you can move around and, you know, add your own individuality to it, right? There are a million, million, million other cars on the road, but you're the only you on the road. So that's, uh, so I think that's very interesting. Um, well, I appreciate you, Brett, for coming on. There's one final question I like to ask. Um, what, and this is kind of a, a, a big question, but I feel called to ask it because it's a question that uh, I've asked in some other podcasts as well. And it always, it always provides some interesting answers. Um, if you were to die tomorrow, what would be the entrepreneurial legacy that you would leave behind for, you know, if you mentioned earlier, future kids or anyone to, to kind of look up to? It's funny. I think about this all the time for better, for worse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I enjoy thinking about my death question mark attached next to that. Right. Cause it does like totally keep you in perspective. It totally, makes oh, yeah. you, you don't want to get like too into it every day, but I'm just like, Oh, so I already decided. Right. <laughs> I was like, like, if I was to die tomorrow, of course, I'm going to make sure my dog has all the treats she could ever want. Um, oh yes. Obviously, I rescued a dog when I lived in Israel and I brought her home to the States. It was a whole other crazy. Oh, my ass. gosh. Yeah, it was, I almost got kicked out of the country for it. I almost got, it was like how to get a. Oh, my God. almost lost all my credits when studying abroad. We had her like hiding in the dorms, which wasn't allowed. It was a whole thing. We got ratted on by our by my roommate, who is not a nice person, um, obviously, for various reasons. Um, I mean, if, you're, if it's a good boy, then I mean, what your hands are tied. Yeah, you know she's I mean? gorgeous. I mean, she's the best dog ever. So anyways, making sure she has all the treats she could ever want. I would obviously make sure that um, my future kids and then my family members like taking care of that. But what I might, the legacy I would want to leave is two legacies. Number one, because my passion is making sure um, my people like Jews are like kept safe because the rise of anti-Semitism is really fucking high and it's very scary. In fact, I was actually called uh, the equivalent, like a very bad word, the worst word. I don't want to say it on the on our podcast, but the worst word you can call a Jew, which is like if you think of other minority peoples, they have their very bad words that are no bueno to call out in a grocery store. And I'm in Miami, which is a very Jewish area. And I was taken so far back and I was just like, this thing's real. It's in your face. So two things. Number one, making sure that I can fund any education necessary to make sure that anyone that wants to get involved, because this is their also passion, that they can do it. And number two, helping other organizations like the one I work for, APAC, have the resources that they need to make sure that the people that are providing legislation and funding to keep US and our allies safe uh, have their money. So like that's what APAC does, and that's what drew me to it, because it's the big needle mover. So that'd be for the activism side. And then in regards to entrepreneurship side, realizing I, I would I would create some sort of fund. I don't know how I would do this, but I would create some sort of fund for anyone that has um, that's like depressed like I was to fund them with personal development coaches and get them like a one-on-one coach, kind of like a big brother system, but someone right. specifically entrepreneurship minded. And then on that point, 
buy their first few programs with the caveat of accountability. Meaning if you buy this program, part of Brett's scholarship, you have to complete it because I believe everyone, if they want to be an entrepreneur, they can do it. And I want to be able to provide people that were in a negative mindset like me that needed help, the hands that they need. Because therapy is amazing, but sometimes it's not always for you, depending on what exactly you need, that um, I want to be able to provide those people with an outlet. So more mental health awareness, more helping people become entrepreneurs and making sure that the issues I care about uh, are always funded and taken care of. I love that. I love that. I heard an interesting distinction once and it's stuck with me ever since about therapy versus coaching. And that is that therapy deals with the past and healing wounds and coaching deals with, with the future. Um, and both are very important, but oftentimes, you know, sometimes diving into the future and, and, and the present as well, I feel like coaching kind of deals with the present and the future. Um, but diving into the future and, and, and goals and, and growth and things like that, um, I think can be a very big help to someone who maybe is harder to just kind of look backwards instead. But of course, both are, are you know, great for different reasons. I've had, I've had people come to me after a coaching experience. I've been like, you know, this has been, this has been great, but I would, I, I would recommend therapy over coaching, to be honest with you. Because um, you know, there are problems that coaches aren't trained to be able to solve. So I think that it's always interesting to kind of, but they're so similar too, you know, it's always interesting yeah. to kind of hear them come up in the same conversation. And not, not to divert us, because I because I know we're running to end of this, but mental health is something that I'm, I'm so fortunate. Like, I don't know if you're a football fan, but there's a lot more. It used to be like, oh, you're weak, right? And now like a lot more NFL players, because again, they're seen as, as, as role models. They're coming up, I struggle with depression. Dak Prescott had an amazing thing about it. Hayden Hurst, who was a tight end for the Atlanta Falcons, had an amazing thing. So mental health is so important. Um, but it's still so stigmatized and not talked about the right way. And I want people to know there's more than just therapy. Therapy is very important. There's different avenues for you to express yourself to get that healing because we're all different. We all have different chemical makeups in regards to how we respond to things. So know that there's other options. Um, and that's why, like for me, I remember there's one moment that I either decided I could take pills. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. I know plenty of people are on there that do what they need. I just yeah. decided I didn't want it. And I went on, and so that's how I, that's where I dove heavily into like the books and the podcast. Cause for me, that called to me, but if I only knew that it was medication was the route, then I would have felt that that was my only choice. I want people to know if you're depressed or suffering with anything, there's plenty of choices. Let us help you figure out the best one to get you into the best state possible. That's incredible. I'm a huge advocate for mental health. I suffer from depression as well. I have in the past. I have some friends who have and are. And so it's always exciting to talk with someone who is an advocate for mental health. Because, I mean, it's true. There's there's definitely a stigma around it. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is something that you can't, you can't see it as easily, right? If I break my arm, you can tell that I broke my arm. And it's like, oh, well, that person broke his arm. So, of course, they're in pain. Let's get them help. But it's like depressed. Oh, well, you know, they're just, have you tried not being sad? You know, you're just sad. You know, whatever. Oh, I hate that. Oh, my God. The other day, someone said that to me. When that, when that episode happened at the Publix, the grocery store where I got that word called to me, and I knew the person meant well, but they were just like, oh, I've been called my equivalent before. I'm like, that's not what you say to someone that's gone through a traumatic event, at least at that primary moment. Like, that's like, you're, you're belittling, you're belittling them, you're putting them down. It's like, come on, you have to, we have to train others how to, how to, um, and it's hard to, it's, it's hard to handle someone that's not doing well, but you have to, it's, everyone needs to be educated on yeah. that. Oh yeah, no, that's true because everybody knows how a broken arm works, but not everyone knows yeah. how depression works. 
exactly and everyone's slightly yeah. different so exactly so i think that was very interesting and brett thank you so much for coming on the show i appreciate you sticking through even though there's an, 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 an interruption but you know that's how it works that's how that's how real life works you know what i mean and there's nothing wrong with that um so i appreciate you for those people who are interested in what you're doing which i'm sure uh there are many who are where can people find out more about you yeah so um on my facebook page is the best way it's brett kaufman um i will send evan i can give you the link to it so you can put in the show notes but that's where we write about uh, copywriting we write about writing we write about i mean i also write about pa things that i'm passionate about um that'd be the best way if you're interested in actually uh, whether becoming a client or like finding your authentic writing voice, we have Facebook groups that we have email lists for that we have trainings all around that. Um, and my whole thing is, regardless if you ever work with us or anyone else, realize that writing is everywhere writing is the main staple of the internet. And then if you don't know how to communicate authentically, you'll never be able to express yourself that way online and be the full version of you that you want to be so master writing. It's a skill that needs to be taught properly and then then we can obviously help you there but it's it's extremely important so take that time to really understand it that was incredible well thank you so much again brett for being willing to come on the show i had a lot of fun i hope you did as well and i think it'll be fun to listen to uh, afterwards so again thank you so much thank you for having me Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So, again... Thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.